Fashion and beauty are serious business. On this podcast, we will hear from amazing creative entrepreneurs. Join us as we explore their unique success stories, learn from experts, and hear about their journeys. Steve Jobs famously said that, the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. So let's get crazy. I'm your host, Ann Zuckerman, and this is the Just Wanted to Ask podcast. Ladies, have you ever had one of those uncomfortable headlight moments? Don't you want to be heard without distraction? Bezzy broad discs are your solution. Go to justwantedtoask.com and look for Bezzy broad discs. Hello, everyone. Today, I am absolutely thrilled to be here with Farnaz Dar. Farnaz is the mother of four amazing young men, the former teacher, and she says, but really always a teacher, turned entrepreneur, and she's the owner of North Penn Cleaning Solutions, which she says pays the bills, and the owner of So Fennel. Um, and she says that one day soon will pay the bills. Um, and most recently, the host of the podcast, Going Against the Grain, uh, which doesn't have to do anything except warm her heart and share the stories of fascinating people. Welcome, Farnaz, to the podcast. I'm so happy to see you, see thank and you. hear you here. And thank you for having me. It's so much. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Um, so tell us about your background um, and how you got into uh, North Penn Cleaning, as well as Sofennel. All right. Well, a uh, brief, longer, long-term history. Um, immigrant family uh, from Pakistan. My parents came in the early 70s with me. Uh, I think I was about two years old when we arrived. Landed in the south and deep, deep south of Alabama. My sister was born. She was the first foreign child born in that town. And, uh, you know, so... It was this balancing act of holding on to Pakistani culture, which is the only thing my parents, my mom especially, knew, and kind of getting into this new world of living in the U.S. and especially the South. A couple of years after my sister was born, we moved to uh, outside of Atlanta, Georgia, which is where I did most of my uh, elementary school schooling, and my brothers were then born there. And it was, you know, when people ask me about my childhood, it was a great childhood. I mean, I'm sure there was trauma and drama and all of that stuff. But I just remember, you know, a great time at school, opening the door, going out and meeting my friends and, you know, knocking on people's doors and playing in the yard and, and doing all of the things that, you know, those 80s kids, 70s kids, you know, kind of reminisce about now. Um, but in terms of life it was very much about school is there and that's where you wear american clothes and you talk you speak in english and all of that stuff and then when you come home you're a pakistani girl again and you're going to wear pakistani clothes even if you're outside playing in the yard and playing with your friends um and you know our socializing outside of school was always with other south asian people that my parents became friends with and who we call uncle and aunt even today you know, um, 
So it was lovely. It was really, really lovely. Uh, I, fast forward, you know, we we moved to New York, Queens, because, you know, all brown people have to go to Queens at some point. So we're in Flushing, Queens, and uh, finished middle school, high school there, eventually Long Island, where college and married there. Uh, had all of my kids in New York. And then we moved to out the suburbs of Philadelphia. And uh, I homeschooled my kids for many years, um, good and bad things regarding that. And eventually, when it came time for them to go back to school, it was also around the same time that, you know, the late 2008, 9, 10, when the economy was going down. And my husband at the time, he was like, look, we got to do something. And all my research slash listening to Oprah, who would always say, do what you love, do what you love. And I, I really loved organizing and cleaning. And so I was like, you know what, let's open a cleaning business. It's really inexpensive to get started. I'm definitely good at it. Let's do that. And so we opened North Penn Cleaning Solutions. And it just, you know, met the right person one after the other. And it just turned into a thing that uh, was able to really provide for us and, you know, make ends meet in, in the house. Um, totally not glamorous, completely very against the Pakistani traditional jobs that one would choose. That's a whole story in itself. Um, but open the or or cleaning side of the business mostly. Um, and then uh, you know, I had this entrepreneurial bug was was always within me. But now that I'm in this, have this business, and I'm going to networking meetings, and I'm meeting with other people, the juices start flowing. the The idea of being able to do more, you get the confidence of running a business. And I'm kind of looking around, not needing to have another business, but like, what else can I do, or what else do I want to do? And you know, the so fennel was born from that. I grew up eating and uh, grew up eating fennel seed mixes just, you know, for digestion and things. And when I was pregnant with my youngest, I was addicted to those fennel seeds and those fennel seed mixes throughout my pregnancy. And honestly, until today, and that became sort of a business. Um, and I was fortunate enough to partner with a, a high school friend of mine who was in packaging and, and design, graphic design. And she came up with a look. We came up with the whole concept, and so fennel was born. So that's a that's a very quick <laughs> history of the last many decades of of what's going on. Well, I love it, and I yeah. have to say, I also love so fennel. So yeah. well, um, I have two of the mixes, and I love them both. Tell us about the differences between them, and so, and why, why, and why. So um, so so fennel. Uh, is not spelled S-O-F-E-N-N-E-L. It's S-A-U-F. Super clever uh, wording there that we came up with. The word sonf is an, a Hindi, Urdu, you know, Pakistani Indian word for fennel, fennel seeds. So honestly, it's so fennel is really fennel fennel, which is kind of annoying because I hate chai tea, but it's but I fell into that trap. Anyway, so fennel. The <laughs> digestive mixes basically that you would eat after a meal um, to freshen your breath and kind of move things along. Why are there different mixes? It's about taste. Every most South Asian homes will have a certain blend that they put together with uh, fennel seeds and maybe some other seeds, sesame, um, you know, coriander seeds and some nuts and things like that. 
I happen to have started the business with the blend that I would always make, uh, fennel, coconut, almond, sesame. And instead of candy-covered fennels, I would use sprinkles because they were just a, a cleaner ingredient. Um, and then from that, you know, I heard uh, feedback saying, oh, we'd like it a little bit sweeter. So I'd add some pure cane sugar. And then from that, it was like, oh, you know, I'm trying to avoid sugar. All right, so we'll take out the sprinkles and now it's sugar-free. And then, you know, and then another version with like, oh, fennel and chocolate taste really good. So now we have another version that has some chocolate in it and some other ingredients. So it's it's just a matter of taste that sort of developed as I started bringing it to market and hearing people's feedback. So that's why the different mixes. Well, I love them. I really love the sprinkles. Yeah. Because I like that tiny bit of sweet in with the fennel right. and i love the taste of fennel anyway so nice. this has nice. been wonderful um the question is um it becomes addictive when do i stop <laughs> so, you don't stop I'll, my son's I'll have to be my son's 19 he just turned 19 i eat the, the flipping thing every single day for goodness sake so there's no stopping what do you <laughs> no i mean in terms of how much Oh, I understand. I, well, let me have a little bit more. Let me have. Oh, and it tastes so good. Yeah. <laughs> so. You know, I, I don't say this very often to people, but honestly, fennel has a slightly addictive property to it within its nature. Um, but you know, it's, it's a good, it's a good addiction. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so. I, I'm I'm totally in love with it. Nice. So, um, getting back, how did your family end up being and moving to the south? Mm. Uh, so when my, my father is the eldest of nine siblings, um, sort of, you know, the, the one that his parents, my grandparents relied on to make things happen. He was the general contractor of an American, I believe it was an American uh, construction company based in Pakistan. So he was sort of the foreman there, right? From there, they moved him to Iran when the Shah was in power and life was like really glamorous there. Uh, that same company moved him to Iran, and eventually they had an opportunity in the U.S. And so they brought him and my mom and myself to to uh, Alabama, uh, where they were based and and where he worked for a long time for them. So oh, fascinating, yeah. Um, and it's really um, amazing and wonderful that your family kept um, tradition as well as uh, American life and integrated the two. Um, the reason I say that is because my family came from Hungary and mm -hmm. they spoke Hungarian to me. They spoke English to me, but Hungarian to each other, mm. my mom and my grandparents. So I grew up understanding Hungarian, but not speaking it. And I understand there's just such a great advantage to be bilingual in terms of mentally learning. Sure. So that's really interesting. My parents spoke Punjabi, uh, which is the, the the dialect that we spoke. They spoke Punjabi to us, and I answered them in English all the time. So I can understand Punjabi and Urdu and all of those things, but I have a heavy American accent when I speak back to them. And it was just because, I, I mean, I clearly remember them giggling and laughing at, at us, <laughs> at me, when I spoke to them. So I was just like, oh, I'm not speaking in Punjabi, and Urdu. you know, I'll just speak back in English, you know. Uh, and it's funny, my sister is three years younger than me. And I swear, sometimes we joke that like, did she, she was born in Alabama. And like, what did, 
did was she born in Pakistan? Like like she speaks such pure Urdu and Punjabi that you'd never know that she was brought up here and and no American born. But meanwhile, myself, I just fell into the whole uh, I'm going to answer you back in English kind of thing. It's only after I got married did that my Urdu actually improved because my husband was brought up and and lived um, until his adult life uh, in Pakistan. So yeah. It was oh, that's amazing. Uh, yes, yeah. I had the same exact experience that you did. Right, right. Um, yeah. But there, as we said before the the um, interview, tradi- my growing up, I grew up very traditionally mm-hmm. um, in a Hungarian household, celebrating certain holidays in a certain way, and sure, uh, there were certain uh, and food and everything else, uh, very traditional. Mm-hmm. So, interesting. Very, Very interesting. Here. The idea of us going out to eat, even if it was like Long John Silver, or so that was such an amazing treat because it was Pakistani food at least six and a half days a week. And occasionally my dad would make like some American dish, which was like so special to us. So, yeah. And, and even just like come home from school, you change out of those school clothes and into Pakistani, like shalar kameez and whatever the traditional things, what the, the concept of wearing American clothes at home or on the weekends was just not even a question, not even something to consider. So very so, interesting. Now, fast forward into your own family with your own children. Um, how much of that tradition have you carried through to your family? Oh, boy. Well, if you ask my mom, she's going to be like, not enough, not enough at all. And I don't know. And, you know, you try your best. So. I think it was for me, the my faith, you know, being Muslim was higher on the pedestal than being Pakistani, you know, and there is a difference between, you know, national culture, Pakistani culture and Islamic culture. So I was pushing the Islamic side a little bit more. Oh, and, you know, and I have four sons. So for them to come home and wear traditional Pakistani clothes was just not even ever going to happen. Like it didn't make any sense. So. That was that. Then in terms of food and let, well, let's talk about language. You know, it was just easier for me to speak to my kids in English. And so the first two of my boys, you know, grew up with a little bit of Urdu in our house and things like that. And they understand it. The number three and four understand it a little bit less than they really should. That is not something that I'm happy with at all. I wish that I didn't drop the ball on that necessarily. But um, but I did, you know, it was just easier to communicate. I'll tell you a funny story uh, if we have time for it. Um, there was a summer that I guess my kids were probably, you know, 12, 10, 8, 6, something like that. And they're all two years apart. And there was a summer that we, that my mom was just like, Fernaz, what are you doing to these kids? They don't understand any Punjabi. You know, this is ridiculous. I can't even have a conversation with them. I can't even tell them what to do. And I was like, okay, mom, you know what? I am going to only speak to them in our language. I'm only going to speak to them in Urdu or Punjabi for the summer. And and I made a conscious effort. Unless I had to yell at them or reprimand them, it was all in <laughs> our language. Um, and at one point, son number three, Samir, who must have been like, seven or eight at the time it was like Spanish and I'm like oh my gosh this kid thinks I'm talking to him in Spanish I'm doomed I'm like for the love of God 
don't say that in front of your grandmother. She's going to kill me. It's not Spanish that we're speaking. So <laughs> it's it was a thing. It was definitely a, a learning experience. So <laughs> we lost yeah. some of what you said because of the mic, but oh. the gist of it was there. <laughs> yes. Okay. Got it. We're, I wasn't, I was never speaking Spanish. It was the gist of it. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but. Um, yeah, no, I, I totally get that. And it's amazing. So the reason I was asking those questions, um, and by the way, I as I said before, I do love the so fennel. Um, oh, a fabulous mix. I love uh, the tradition of eating it after a meal. It's wonderful for to help with digestion and everything going back thousands of years. So how bad can it be? It's wonderful. Um, and I love the sweetness in it. So, but having said all of that, the reason I was asking you those questions is because you now have an amazing podcast entitled Going Against the Grain. Mm -hmm. So tell us how you came up with the title and um, your vision and what you most enjoy about speaking to um, both men and women about their traditional backgrounds and how they've taken that background and brought it into uh, present day. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, first, I've been a podcast junkie for many, many years. Uh, definitely always have something playing in my ears, always listening to something. And you know, the, the, the dream is always there like, oh, yeah, one day I'll have my own podcast. I had a dream of doing voiceover work at one point, and I haven't necessarily done that. But, uh, you know, podcasting is 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 fun, too. So I'll take that. Um, so, you know, growing up is, I thought, a very Indian, Pakistani, South Asian thing was to hear, no, you can't do this. You can't do that. And basically that translates into what are people going to say or what are people going to think? I mean, it's something that for many, many South Asian families, it's something on repeat, you know, either verbally or, you know, in your brain programmed from, from, you know, the other members of your family. And I, I, I hate I kind of hate that, you know, like, what are people going to say? Okay, keep it respectful. And I don't want, you know, to throw a fam our family under the bus or make anyone look bad. But there's a lot of things that, you know, I've been brought up in the US. I'm not like a typical person growing up back home, quote unquote. And so what I do here, people aren't going to say anything because they're going to be like, well, high five, go for it, you know. And I just, there's so many people who have such interesting stories and they've done such interesting things with their themselves because they've gone against the grain and have decided to leave that whole idea of what are people going to say aside do you know what i mean and and i don't mean to say it in a disrespectful sort of way but but in a way of like there's so much out there to do and experience you know we can't it's such a shame to be confined to something and you know, and I've spoken to my mother about this because my mom was one to say, nay, 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 you know, don't do this, don't do that. You know, what are people going to say? But meanwhile, in retrospect, I was like, woman, you have done so many things that have gone against the grain. You have done, she, you know, started her own business in the, in the late, uh, rather early 80s. And the idea of 
my mom starting a business coming from a family of 12 siblings, by the way, her brothers and her father were just like, we didn't send you to America to do this stuff. What are you doing out there? They thought it was completely uh, something foreign. Um, and then she, she at one point got her uh, beautician license and she became a beautician for uh, a few years, Get completely going against the grade. She cut her long, beautiful hair short going against the grade. So, you know, <laughs> there was just all of these things around that there's so many stories of why people go against the grade and do something uh, out of the familial expectations or the cultural expectations that are not bad, that are just maybe progress or, uh, you know, just things moving forward in life that all just kind of came together. And, and as I've become older and older, I found myself kind of not caring what others thought the idea of, you know, one of my first businesses, it was a cleaning company. And I can't tell you how much side eye or like hmm, questions I got when I have a master's degree in education, and I decided to open a cleaning company, it was completely going against the grain. It was completely, for many people, something that was so bringing myself down. Um, but I was also supporting my family and it was fulfilling. And I saw the looks on people's faces when I completed, when I completed my job and the women who I hired, who were running their families with the work, with the business that I created. So it was just something that I felt we needed to talk about. Uh, I felt we needed to talk about it in like the Pakistani Indian culture, but turned out, uh, surprising to me that it's a universal thing and it applies to people of all walks of life and any color background and any, you know, race, ethnicity. So, um, yeah, I don't know if I answered the question, but <laughs> that's what I, oh, know so you, I know you did. And it was wonderful. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I recently heard an interview and, um, the person was speaking to Elon Musk and he was saying that People always laugh at you until they discover you've been successful. And then all of a sudden, it's not a laughing matter anymore. Right. But right. all of us as entrepreneurs have in some way had to veer off the path that sure. most traditional people would take. Mm -hmm. And it's not always just going against the grain. Sometimes it's the brilliance of thinking outside the box. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you're, yes, you're going against the traditional grain, but you're also being a creative thinker. Mm -hmm. And I think, I, the, think the, I think the idea of the word success, like I've really honed in on that in my years and like really tried to identify and, and define it for myself and try to stick to with a, with a definition that I hold true. And for me, success has not, is not how much money in the bank necessarily. It's a much broader word that encompasses many different parts of my life. And for me, success is yes, you know, making some money would be nice, but also doing something that fulfills me doing something that doesn't sacrifice my time and with my family and allows my priorities and my faith for that matter to stay in check. You know, I won't do, I won't do things that, that go against that. 
Do you know what I mean? And and sometimes <laughs> I'm sure you can attest to this as well. And there are days when I'm just like, oh my gosh, can I just like find a job somewhere and like not run that business? And can somebody just hire me, pay me a lot of money, but just hire me to do the thing. And then I'm like, eh, but, but I don't like that part of working for them. And I wouldn't like that part. So, so I'm happy with my definition of success and, and making sure that I check my boxes. So. Sure. Um, there was an article written a number of years ago um, where the person writing the article was talking about the the small number of women who have reached the higher echelons in the Fortune 500 companies. And I commented that when they left corporate America, they didn't leave their brains behind. Mm -hmm. They were still vibrant, creative women who became very successful in their own right, in their own companies. And I think that's one of the things we have to remember, that mm -hmm. um, we have to find the life that works for us. Right. And right. It, yeah. sometimes it is going against the grain, but yeah. how wonderful. And what a great example uh, you're offering to not only your family, but other women. That look at what the look at the possibilities, and with Sofennel, it's taking some tradition and moving in, it into another format in another business. Sure, yeah. Sofennel was like I, I don't know if I mentioned to you, but it was something that I was one hundred percent addicted to when I was pregnant with number four. It was I had a bag in the car, I had a bag in the purse, I had a bag over here, and I would eat it all day long. And haven't stopped eating it, but um, but turning it into a business was not something that I thought of until much much later. And you know, I've had people say to me, "Oh, that's so cute." You know, "Oh, that's so cute that it's doing that you're doing that and you turn that into you know a little business." And you know, not that I'm, I don't interpret that as like, "Oh yeah, let me show you, let me roll up my sleeves and like prove to you that it's not a little business." But we do have a line of cookies and we do have a line of chocolates now and we do. We are expanding it, and I do have hopes that it will be in bigger stores. But even if it isn't, it's it's still you know something that I feel passionate about, and I'm going to continue doing, and uh, you know feel good about it as long as it's tr something true to me. Um, I'm going to just continue that. So yeah, <laughs> of course. Well, as I've already said, I love it, um, yeah, and. I've had very much the same experience that you have when I originally uh, tried to find packaging for my for my company, Bezzy uh, Bra Discs. Um, the person I spoke to thought, yes, it was a little hobby and right. looked at my husband and you could see in his eyes he was saying, oh, well, she's got this hobby and he's supporting her. Right. And now it's been almost 20 years later, I've got a successful business. And every right. time I see him, I remind him that he thought I was a joke. But that's it's funny. true. It's, yeah. it's really true. It's, it's interesting. But that's the essence of being an entrepreneur. And uh -huh. that's the, in order to, that's the drive that those of us in the entrepreneurial space have. Right. And it's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. And I so appreciate the gift of being able to be an entrepreneur um, in uh, here in the United States where anything is possible. Right. 
Right. So I get yeah. that. That's what keeps me going. That's what excites me. And I love what you've been able to do. Thank so you. Uh, tell our listeners where they can find you in all of the different areas. In all of the different areas, the best way to find out about the fennel seed business is to go to SoFennel dot so fennel on instagram on facebook um so fennel.com and that's spelled s-a-u-f-e-n-n-e-l um yeah so fennel is basically the best uh place to find me on all the platforms i'll be the only one with that name for sure so that is not difficult um and instagram instagram facebook uh and my website are the best ways to reach me and Going Against the Brain podcast is also on Facebook and Instagram. You can find me there and find out who we're speaking to. Things like that. Yeah. I am so looking forward to hearing more of your podcast. Thank you. Um, and discovering all the wonderful people you're going to be having as your guests on your podcast. Yeah. It's interesting. Same. There's a lot of people out there with really cool stories of how they've gone against the grain and they don't even realize that they have great stories, some of them. So I'm excited about it. So much. I look forward to listening to more of the podcast. Thank you so very much for joining me as my guest today. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Anne. Be well. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Please follow us, submit a rating and review, and share us with your friends. This helps our message reach more listeners. For more information about my products, visit justwantedtoask.com. Thank you. Thank you.